I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. After the last episode I did, I, uh, I've gotten a few questions about why I'm not supporting Joe Jorgensen or the Libertarian Party. Um, well, I, I don't think Joe is a viable candidate in any way, stretch, or form. And I've recognized something since Trump's election that I don't think I would have recognized if it if not for Trump being elected. So let's let's start there, okay? In 2015, it was November 2015, I was watching the election and Trump had already announced, everybody said it was a joke. Nobody was taking him seriously. And I decided, well, let me listen to one of his speeches. And uh, it was it was on the radio. It was, I don't know, hour and a half, two hours. I don't know how long it was. Um, but I decided to listen to it. So I, I sat down. I was when I was driving, I listened to his speech. I got home that, that evening. I was working locally. I wasn't driving over the road at the time. I got home that evening. And uh, Beatrix and I were talking. And I told her, I said, well, he's going to win. And she's, she's, what makes you say that? I thought you didn't like him. I was like, no, I don't like him, but he's going to win. And she's like, well, why do you say that? And I, I said, well, he's saying what people want to hear. He's hitting, he's, he's making an argument to the patriotic side of people's emotions. And uh, there's a lot of people that feel the way he feels about the direction of the nation. So he's, he's going to win. A year later, obviously, Trump won. I think that despite all the media's circus and the polls and all the saying that Hillary Clinton was going to win, they were actually concerned of the same thing that he was speaking to a very patriotic portion of America. And there are a lot of people that love this country. And there are a lot of people that have served this country. And they heard what he was saying. And they it connected with them. It connected with that portion of them that wanted to see America be a sovereign nation and to be a powerful sovereign nation that 
was taking care of its taking care of its own as a family would do or as a tribe would do and worrying about yourself first before you offer aid to others and I think there's something to be said about that um there was also the idea that you know when you hear make America great again like what do you hear uh, well I'm I think and I'm, this is just the way my brain works is I'm thinking economically I'm thinking get us back to a period where parents can be directly involved in their children's lives and you know uh, live comfortably on one income things things like that that's where my mind goes so there were there was this idea of who Trump was by his supporters and I think the media heard the same thing now what the media tried to do is because Trump is Trump and he is not very articulate and not very clear and precise in his speaking they would twist his words and they would call him a fascist or a racist or Hitler or a Nazi or yada 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 and they were speaking to the sensitivity of a very emotional well-educated person and we saw that uh, Hillary Clinton destroyed Trump in, in highly educated people because they were making ties to historical facts and and drawing parallels between the way that Trump spoke or the way that Trump acted or the way that, that Trump wanted to govern to historical figures. And so as a cautionary tell a lot of your highly educated people were like well maybe it's not even true but I'd rather be safe than sorry we can't elect somebody who has these tendencies or the potentiality to become this tyrant so I could see that through the media and the circus that I could understand those that were for Trump and I could also understand those that were against Trump. There was this kind of, it was such a milky, like gray area around him, like his governing style and what his actual policies were, were, were murky. He, he wasn't good at um, 
you know, getting the ideas out there. He was even worse than I am, and I'm stumbling all over myself this morning. Maybe because I haven't finished my coffee yet, but <clears throat> excuse me. But he so there was this there was this feeling of like a real division at that point. But it didn't start with Trump. It, it started long before that. The division had been the fissure had been growing for a long time. So what the media, one of the tactics the media used in attempting to harm Trump and keep him from winning the election was they began paying attention to Gary Johnson and giving Gary Johnson airtime and allowing Gary Johnson to stick his foot in his mouth on national television in hopes that because he was a former Republican, that he would speak to enough of the Republican base that were supporting Trump to draw people away from Trump so that Hillary Clinton could win. Today, you don't see that. Joe Jorgensen is getting no attention whatsoever from the media. They don't, they act like she doesn't even exist. She doesn't excite anybody. She's definitely no Ron Paul. She is, she is taking the time to pander to the left when they would, she would be probably one of the first people they put up against the wall. And she's not speaking. She's not getting any amplification from anywhere, whether it's social media or uh, corporate press, national media. Nobody is paying any attention to her. And I'm in libertarian circles. I'm affiliated with many libertarian pages. No one is talking about Joe Jorgensen on any level whatsoever. Every once in a while, I'll see a meme. But half the memes are talking about how how much of a failure she is in her communication style and conveying her vision for the country. And it showed me that the only reason that Gary Johnson was able to get up to 3% in 2016 was because the media was attempting to push voters away from Trump and prop up Clinton. And it failed. It failed miserably. Um, the the election was, I mean, by all signs, was actually honest. And uh, 
the it was definitely the person that the establishment did not want to win won. Now there are a lot of similarities to Trump and Clinton as far as governance. There are certain things um, that have continued under Trump or have been expanded under Trump that I think Clinton would have done. The First Step Act, I think Clinton would have passed that. Um, I think, excuse me one second. Fighting off a sneeze here. I think Clinton, uh, well, I know Clinton would have continued the wars in the Middle East. Um, She probably would have expanded the wars. There probably would have been more war. I think um, quietly, she probably, (coughs) excuse me, would have repaired the fencing on the border, much like Trump did. Um, I think she would have spent just as much as Trump, if not a little bit more. So there's a lot to be said about the Trump is just more of the same. And a lot of people believe that it's all theater and that they're really not opposed to Trump, that this is just a divide and conquer strategy, which is very possible. But I will tell you that what I have seen with the Russia strategy and tying Trump to Russia has been extremely mind-blowing. And I don't see how, if it were all theater, that would have been their go-to in trying to frame Trump for these types of crimes. In the early stages during the general election, it has been revealed that Hillary Clinton met with the Obama administration, including Joe Biden, in order to cook up these charges on Trump. The media went right along with him because the media is part of that establishment. Now, you could break it down the middle and say, well, Republicans aren't the establishment, Democrats are, but that's a little bit naive. There are many Republicans that are part of that establishment and part of the established D.C. connections that have the connections to Raytheon and Boeing and the connections to intelligence organizations, the intelligence to the FBI. Many of the Republicans are in the same boat as the Democrats when it comes to the establishment. And now that we know that Comey was receiving emails warning him that the entire Russia investigation was based on opposition research and rumors started by the Clinton campaign 
in order to distract away from her email scandal. It is mind-boggling that anybody would think that a third-party candidate would ever have the opportunity to make a dent in the system. Let's say that Joe Jorgensen was the ultimate libertarian, super charismatic. Everybody was receptive to her message. That would not guarantee a win. Actually, I think that would more than likely create more of a stir than even Trump did. And the idea that Trump is going to really expose corruption and the fear that it drove into the heart of the D.C. establishment that he would actually end wars, that he would actually negotiate peace deals, that he would step outside the box, which he's done much of. Um, moving the embassy in uh, Israel, which was something that was always promised, that had been promised year after year after year, but never done. Um, the attempts to normalize relations between the UAE and Israel, Bahrain and Israel, Kosovo and Serbia, like all these different things that no other president ever attempted to do because of the impact it would have on the military industrial complex and their, their financial interests in the Middle East. The, so, so there are things like uh, the, the talks with the Taliban, the, the talks about pulling troops out of the Middle East. But if they were afraid of Trump actually going through with these things from the get-go, so much so that they were willing to use every connection, every ounce of energy to make it look as if he were an asset to a foreign country and that he were governing on their agenda in order to empower them. Imagine what they would do to an actual libertarian candidate, an actual Ron Paul that were able to rise in prominence to that level of governance. They would never allow that person to make it to office. Whether they were assassinated on the inauguration day, on election day, after the election, prior to the election, at a campaign rally, whatever it may be, there would be a breach of security. And the grenade would not have a pin in it, like in 2003 when it was tossed onto a stage with George W. Bush. 
it would not they would not tolerate someone who would actually on principle speak to the American people about the true corruption and evils that the bureaucracy is involved in behind the scenes. Whether that is perpetual war or the war on drugs, which is perpetual war in its own sense, um, whether that is to be You know the the uh, the incarceration rate, uh, the immig- immigration reform, whatever you would like to look at as the potential problem with American policy, domestic or foreign. Um, you know, bailing out corporations, uh, subsidies, grants. Money to foreign interests, yada 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 yada. There's so many things that you know the arms deals, things things of that nature. So there's so much that a libertarian would want to change, an actual Ron Paul principled libertarian. And I'm just speaking as if Joe is that. I don't want to get into all the things I disagree with her on. I'm just speaking. If she were the ultimate candidate. If she were a female Ron Paul, creating all sorts of excitement, stirring up the the uh, the DC establishment, she would never make it to four years into office as Trump has. And seeing the way that Trump has been treated for the last four years is just solidified in my mind that if you are able, even if by chance, by some miracle, you are able to slip through the cracks and penetrate D.C. and There's a potential that you will disrupt their established way of doing things. That you will be attacked viciously from the day you take office to the day you die. Whether that be by natural causes or unnatural causes. These people have no desire to give up their power. They are not giving up their power easily. And they are definitely not going to sit idly by while an outsider comes in to their enclosure and tears shit up and exposes them for who they are. 
What's unfortunate is that the left has grown to hate Trump so much. And I think it's because he's a billionaire. I think it's because he's a successful real estate developer and business owner. And that he is a billionaire. And so they are predisposed as Marxists to despising him that they are willing to back the establishment. That if you thought Obama destroyed the anti-war left, Trump has assured that they are no more. That when Obama came into office, they decided to get quiet and stop protesting war. No matter how much he bombed and destroyed other nations. But now that a billionaire, their, you know, enemy, their arch rival is in there and creating, you know, coming up, normalizing relations in the Middle East, trying to pull troops out of the Middle East. Now they are as good as pro-war. Revealing themselves as the frauds that they've always been. That anti-war was only the message when it wasn't their guy carrying out the war. And so that's, that's a serious disappointment. Because you would think as much as the left claims to hate the establishment and as much as they claimed to be anti-war you would have thought that if nothing else they would have just been laughing at the establishment this whole time not necessarily defending Trump or on Trump's side but they would have been laughing and standing on the sidelines, watching, observing as spectators, thrilled at the crumbling establishment flailing around as they tried to reassess their power and their control over the system. But they didn't. They turned into bootlickers for the establishment. They're carrying water for the establishment, just repeating all of the talking points that the establishment wants them to repeat in order to harm Trump and give rise to another establishment candidate. And that's, at least in my view, disappointing because... If there's anything good about Trump, it is exposing the establishment as petulant and corrupt. And guilty of everything they accuse him of. (laughs) 
you know? And I'm reminded of a Glenn Beck interview that he did with George W. Bush in which George Bush told him when Obama was running for his first term. And what was that? Was it McCain or was that Romney? I don't remember. Whatever. That was a long time ago. Especially in 2020 time. In 2020 years, that was ages ago, man. But when, when Obama was running for his first term, George W. Bush told Glenn Beck, it doesn't matter who wins. When they get in there, they are going to be told how they must carry out and continue these policies. They may tweak it to their preferences, but this is how they are going to carry out these, that they are going to carry out these policies, whether from the left or the right. So it doesn't really matter who wins. With Trump, it mattered because they knew there was no controlling it. And after Trump, now let me be clear. I think that the Democrats, for whatever reason, all right, the right, the the conservatives, they continue pushing this idea of a color revolution. I don't think that's necessarily what's happening, but I, I could be wrong. All right. I could, if I'm wrong, you know, I will admit I was wrong. But the Democrats are much more certain in 2020 that Trump is going to lose. And you can be sure that they are much more certain. And I said the Democrats, I mean the establishment. You can be sure that they are much more certain that Trump will lose this election cycle than they were in 2016. Because they are not bringing attention to third parties. You hear hear nothing of Jill Stein or Joe Jorgensen or whoever's running third party, uh, you know, Ventura or whoever. So... They are, there is an amount of certainty. Now, whether Trump is right about the fraud through mail-in ballots or there's something else going on, I don't know. But they seem to be much more certain that Biden will win than Trump will win. Maybe it's just the personality thing. Maybe it's because Biden is not near as disliked as Trump or or just maybe not Trump but Clinton maybe it's because Biden's not near as disliked as Clinton was Um, Clinton was very you know polarized you know just as much as Trump was they were both hated Oh, there's that sneeze. I just couldn't keep it back any longer. Sorry about that. Anyway, so when you ask me why 
I won't. I'm not supporting Joe Jorgensen or the Libertarian Party. It's because I have no belief that even if it were the perfect candidate, there is no belief within me that it wouldn't be 10 times worse than we see with Donald Trump. See, there is an understanding about Donald Trump that he's not that sophisticated. That he doesn't have the the wherewithal either in, in communicating or governing to actually combat at any significant level the status quo. Yet, if you were to get a Ron Paul or a Joe Jorgensen into a position of having a single term to expose, not even change the governance of because you have to remember in order to get anything done in in Washington you first have to get the Senate and the House to go along with you so if a libertarian ever did actually win nothing would be accomplished on as far as repealing anything They could go in there and they could repeal by executive order everything that was ever done by executive order. Other than that, nothing else would happen. It would just be stalemate. Their job would have to be continued education, exposing the corruption, exposing the crimes, exposing the politicians. That would be their entire job. Not governance, not leading, not setting trade deals, not any of this other stuff. Because none of that would, nothing would actually happen. Their entire job would be exposing the the media, uh, congressional, military, industrial complex. You know, it, it would be exposing the establishment for what it is not actually turning back any real legislation. So, as I said, seeing, number one, if Biden wins, there will probably never, ever be another opportunity for there to be a Trump again. Never. They will assure that no one gets their foot in the door. They are going to lock that door behind him and seal it tight. So my abandonment or 
consideration in supporting Joe had to be what is more productive of my time? Is it campaigning and activism for a candidate that would never be allowed to govern or even sniff the Oval Office? Or is it learning new skills and moving my own life forward in such a way, learning how to exit the system and operate outside of the system so that the system affects me in the least bit possible. And I chose agorism because in my estimation, learning to live outside the system, becoming self-reliant and and tax-free and finding as much liberty on a personal level as well as a community level feels like it's much more productive not only for my future but my children's future than treading water and using a lot of unnecessary resources and time on a campaign that isn't going anywhere. And not only a campaign that is not going anywhere, a campaign that would never be allowed to go anywhere, an administration that would never be allowed to exist, a candidate that would be murdered before sniffing the Oval Office. And therefore, I chose a path that I thought was in the end, most productive for myself, for my family, and for spreading liberty. Because as I discover my path in, in my exit strategy from the system, that exists around us. I, I may then share wisdoms and stories and lessons I've learned along the way. And so that feels like it's much more of a promising future for liberty than participating in a system and a process that is antithetical to liberty. And so that's why I've made the choice not to support support Joe Jorgensen or the Libertarian Party moving forward from, from this point on. So hopefully you got a little bit out of that 40-minute explanation of mine. And, you know, you can play it on double speed, listen to it in 20 minutes because there's a lot of pauses and 
uh and ah and sneeze and cough and fart and whatever else. So I don't know. Hopefully that clears some stuff up. It clears up those questions. Why I'm not supporting Joe Jorgensen. Why I don't support the Libertarian Party. Why I am completely abandoning the political process altogether. And uh, yeah, enjoy your weekend. I'm Tommy Salmons. Late.